Welcome to C3 Church Central Coast Sermon Cast. We pray that you'll be inspired and impacted by this message and trust that you're better equipped to live your best life. So the other day, the other night actually, I was talking to Barack Obama, as you do, yeah, yeah. And uh, he asked me... uh, when we listened to the news about his administration, how it was going, I should say this was a dream, which you probably, I oh, know, come on, you all knew that. They had a dream. No, I didn't chat to Barack Obama. He's pretty hard to get to, actually. But um, I had a dream, and I was chatting to Barack Obama, and he said, he asked me about how we listened to the news of his administration. I said, we listen mostly at night about what's going on in America. And he told me now we can get an app and we can hear all the good news of what he's doing. And, um, and that way we could, get, we could straight away find out what he's doing. But it would be good news of what the administration is doing. And I said, that's great. So he then, uh, it, was, it was night time when I was talking to him too, and he asked me to take a message to Michelle, his wife. And the message was a bit cryptic, but I, I managed to understand it. And I found Michelle and I gave her the message from her husband. So, yeah, I know, dreams are random. So... I wrote the dream down. Now, you know, the Bible says that uh, interpretations belong to God of dreams. So dreams sometimes have a meaning, not always, but sometimes they have a meaning. And when they do have a meaning, that, that meaning is, is in God's hands and it's for him to understand So and tell us. That's what Daniel said. So I've always asked God. Sometimes I write my dreams down and I ask God if it has a meaning. And in this case, it did. And he spoke to me about what my dream, dream meant. And he told me that Barack Obama, as the new man, the, uh, the president, he represents hope. He represents hope. And uh, that's appropriate because I, I didn't really remember, but I guess I kind of remembered that hope was actually his campaign slogan. So, yeah, I know, kind of, I was reminded of that later, that hope was his campaign slogan. And it may seem difficult to access hope. In other words, it's, you know, quite difficult to talk to Barack Obama. Um, it might seem an impossible thing sometimes to get to hope, but we can. Yes, we can. And so we can get to hope. We can access it. And in particular, he said that there's an app. Now, for those of you who don't know what an app is, that's, you know, on your, your phone now, you can press these little buttons and you can just get all this sort of information and all sorts of games and things. So there's an app that you can just press and you can straight away access hope. So it's even quicker. You can quickly access hope when necessary. And he gave me this message to give to Michelle, who is his bride. And he, that's God was saying to me, I want to, you to take this message to the church. So the bride being the church, which is what I did last week, you'll remember. But then um, I believe that God wants us all to be a messengers of hope to the world and take the message of hope to the world. And so today I'm speaking about hope because God told me to. He said, go and tell the church about hope. So I'm obeying God. And uh, I, met, I prophesied this last week, but I felt that there was more in it. So I'm going to speak to you that we need hope and we have a great message of hope. And God is very cute. I like God. He's fun. We have fun together. And when I do, when, you know, when he speaks to me, he often confirms it. And I love the way God does this. It really, it just it really thrills me. So about two days after I got this interpretation about hope from the word, I was watching TV at night and watching news about the American administration, as I occasionally do. And there was Barack Obama 
being interviewed on the television and uh, in real life. This is real, by the way. <laughs> this is not a dream. This actually happened. So I'm sitting there watching TV. There he is. And someone said, so do you think this can really happen, President? You know, Mr. President, as they say. And he says, yes. He says, there's always hope. He says, have you forgotten? That was my campaign slogan. And it was just like, ha, huh, no, I haven't forgotten because God reminded me. And it was like God was saying from him, his own mouth, he said, yes, there's always hope, which is so cute because I haven't heard Brack necessarily talk about that recently. And it was such a confirmation of both my dream, the, just the chance that I happened to hear him and the chance that he happened to talk about his campaign slogan again two days after God spoke to me about it, which is the way God speaks. I love that. You know, you, he tells you something and then he confirms it. And it's just so coincidental that it's God. So we need hope. We've got faith, hope and love. Is there any way we can get rid of that buzzing sound? Can you guys hear that buzz? Okay, if you can't hear it, I'm happy. Okay. So, faith, hope, and love. (coughs) The Bible says that darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the people. So we live in a world where there's thick darkness over people. Thick, thick. I thought about that. But imagine living constantly under thick darkness. That's how it is for most people out there. There's thick darkness. But it says that his glory appears upon you. Lift up your eyes. Look about you. Your sons and your daughters will come from afar. You will look and be radiant and your heart will throb and swell with joy. It's a depressing world out there. It really is. I mean, hey, Cadell might have won the Tour de France, and that's good news. But then you watch the same news, and it's like, oh, Lord, it's just, you know, Norway. I mean, Norway. There's such nice people, the Norwegians. It's crazy what goes on, and it's terrible. You know, I just think about those poor families right now, how how they're feeling. And that's just the thick darkness that is in our world and the craziness that we live in. And it's so important that we are a people of hope in the midst of this darkness. It's so important because there's got to be light, there's got to be, there's got to be something good for people to look to. And the Bible says this, in 1 Peter 3.15, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who, who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Always be prepared. For, so, so people, we need to make sure we've got hope. We need to make sure we're living in this place of confident expectation because people are going to look around and say, well, this guy looks happy. How come they're so hopeful? How come they're so happy? How come they look like something good's going to happen? They're going to ask us. That's what the Bible says. So we better make sure that we're living in a place of hope because they're in darkness. They need to look and find that there is hope. There is still something good. And when you think about hope, you know, that in some ways it's almost an old-fashioned word. It hasn't been. That's why Barack Obama used it, I guess. He sort of reignited the word. But, you know, we talk about optimism more these days, don't we, or being positive. But it's the same thing. It just means having a, a positive expectation that something good is going to happen. Something good. The Bible even talks about in 1 Thessalonians as hope being the salvation. It says, since we belong to the day, let us be clear-headed, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation. So hope is it's like a helmet. It, clear, it keeps our head straight, if you like. It, it keeps all this horrible stuff from seeping into our head. That's what a helmet does. It stops, stops, you know, 
weapons from attacking our brain. And so we need hope. We need to, because that darkness and that depression that's out in the world, it's very easy to seep into us, isn't it? I find that. I, I regularly struggle with this, with it, the, just the world is so sad and sin is so sad, not just in other people, but in me and people close to me. And it's, it's really, sometimes it really gets me down. I feel quite, such a heaviness sometimes come on me and I think, oh, I just, I just feel so down. It's like everything's terrible. And I need to be able to switch this on. I need to find, I need to go to this place of hope. And God's been speaking to me about that to just, it's like an app. It's like, come on, click it, click onto it and, and go to that place of hope. It's like something good can happen. Something good can happen. It can change. That person can change. Something new can happen. The money can come. I can get a new job. I can get married. You know, not me personally, but some of you youngies. <laughs> he or, or if you're already married, he can change. Yes, he can. <laughs> There's always hope. Never give up. <laughs> Especially if you've been married for a long time. Never give up. <laughs> but listen to this great scripture. There's always hope, darling. There's hope. There's hope. (laughs) Listen to this scripture, what exactly hope is. It says, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. I love that imagery. We have fled. Like we've, we've got, you've got to flee. Like it's just. Like, honestly, you've got to run away from the television news sometimes and run away and run to, it's like, oh God, I just can't cope with it all. And run to God, flee to God. And it says we flee to him and we take a hold of hope. We say, well, I know that can happen, but people can get saved through this. And, and people can find you from this. Norwegians are not known for being hugely spiritual. And, you know, they, this, this could turn the nation around. This great tragedy could cause them to want to follow Jesus. And, you know, you've got, to, you've got to find a place of hope, don't you? And it describes hope as an anchor. Now, you know, an anchor is a very important thing. If you're in a ship and you're just hanging there near the rocks, you want that anchor to hold you safe because if you don't have the anchor, you drift. And that's what happens. If we lose hope and we just see like, oh, you know, just... I don't know what's going to happen. It just never works out for me, you know. If we're not positive about the future, then we're going to drift. We're going to drift into the rocks and crash and smash and, and become just possibly destroyed. Because, you, you know, if you've got no future, if you've got no hope, it's depressing. It's awful. We need to live in that place constantly having hope that something good's going to happen, something great. It's coming. It's coming. I believe it. So let's not drift. We have to, it says we actually have to grab hold of hope. We have to get it because it's not, it's not necessarily just going to, you know, some people are naturally more positive and optimistic, I get. But, but a lot of us have to sort of switch it on, don't we? The Bible says that our hope is in him. I have set my hope in God. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. Psalm 43, verse 5. You are my hope, O Lord God, my strong refuge to which I may continually resort. So our hope is in God. We, we have hope 
not because we think the world's going to be great, not because we think we're going to be great, but because we know that God is great and he loves us and he's in control. It's okay. I love that God is in control. I love that God is in control. Now, we were talk- Nathan and I were chatting away last night because he stayed at our place and about or everything, you know, <laughs> and global warming included. And I said, well, you know, we've lived through them all already. I mean, I'm not that old, but I can remember, you know, the, the nuclear crisis and the f- whether we were going to run out of fuel by about 1980, I think it was. And then, and the food, seriously, and then there was the food, the f- I remember seeing the food graph, Future Shock, I read a book called Future Shock, and there was a graph of population, a graph of food, and there was a big gap. We're all going to starve because there's no way we could produce that much food by the year 2000. We should be starving, you know. And then there was, oh, there's so many, you know, the Russians were going to kill us. And then we ended up going over to the Russians and falling in love with them, you know, me personally. And they're gorgeous people. And they're not so bad after all. And, uh, you know, then there was Y2K. And there's just something all the time. And now we sort of laugh about and think, oh, that was no big deal. But it was a big deal at the time. It was in the papers all the time. It was huge. And some of you will go back and remember, you know, maybe the Cuban Missile Crisis or, or hello, hello, the World War II. I mean, that was pretty bad. So, you know, the world is always on the brink. But actually God's in control and God will stop it when he's good and ready. And, you know, global warming is not going to stop it. So there's great hope. Our hope is in God, no matter what is going on in the world. Because it will actually end one day. That's the funny thing. <laughs> I just don't know how. Our hope is in God. You know, it was my birthday a couple of a couple of weeks ago, and I find my birthday a very happy time because my husband, who really doesn't need to change that much, he's very good. He's very cool, very cool. He came to watch me play hockey yesterday, and uh, it was was unexpected. He just arrived on his motorbike, and he just cruised to the side of the line in his leathers, and and I just looked over, and I saw the coolest-looking guy, and I just was like, that's my husband. Look at him. He looks so cool. He's just kind of this kind of bikey guy, you know, with his glasses, check, checking out the chicks playing hockey, you know. And, uh, and I just was really impressed with him. And I, I actually said to I said, Bethany, Bethany, Dad's here. Come on, we've got to play well. And then I told all the girls, I was going, see him? That's my husband. That's my husband. We've got to play well, okay? Because also if we don't play well, he fully bags us out afterwards. So he, he's not a huge fan of women's sports sometimes if we're not aggressive enough. So I was like, everyone, everyone. So but it was, you know, I felt really proud of him, but... And we played well for you, Dal. We really did. So, but the thing is, when my birthday comes around, it's a happy time for me because Chris and all men are different. Your husband may not like, be like this, but please don't compare. But Chris is actually very good with birthdays, presents, planning surprises, all that kind of thing. He's great at all that. And so I always look forward to my birthday because he always does something really good. He buys me lovely presents and he organised his whole fun day and it was a big surprise and my mum and dad came up and we went for a picnic to Terrigal Beach and it was blowing a freezing gale. It was freezing and there was a gale. I thought, I said, so we're going, we're going for a, to the Haven for a picnic. And I thought, wow. Could be a bit chilly, but we went over the over the edge and over sort of the lip of this little spot, and we found we were in the lee of the wind, and it was just amazing. We had no wind, no cold, so we had a wonderful day. So when my birthday comes around, I have great hope that it's going to be a fun day, and the hope is not just in the fact that it's July the tenth, which is a good day, but it's not in that fact, and it's not certainly not because of me. 
because, you know, I, I, it's not much fun if you sort of organise your... I mean, it's okay to organise your own birthday, but it's fun if someone else does it. But I hope in, in what he is going to do, because I, I know that he's particularly good at that. And so I have great hope that we have a great day, and I always do. Thank you, darling. So, you know, it's the same with God. Our hope, in about times a million, our hope is in God, because... He's a really nice guy and he organizes great things for us, great presents, great parties, great blessings, great future. And so our hope is not, you know, in the fact that of us or we're born or this day or that day, it's in him. And that's what it means. Like, well, God, you're good. You've got something great planned. So I can have great hope just because of you. You're in control of this life not just this day, and I know that you're going to do something good. So that's why we, we can confidently set our hope in God in any situation. Even if the situation feels bad or sad, we can go, I don't understand this. And that's when we have to run. It says we go to God and say, God, I, I find it hard to be happy here, or maybe it is a tragic situation, but I'm hoping in you. I'm hoping in you. And sometimes I even say to myself things that might happen. I say, well, this, this person could get saved or this could change or they could shift. I save, I give myself possibilities. But God invariably surprises me with how amazing things can turn out. Even the worst things, it's amazing how God can work them out to be okay. So we set our hope in God and it says, soul, why are you downcast? We need to really examine that if we're not in a place of hope. And the psalmist did this. He says, what? Why are you downcast? What, what's wrong? Come on. Why are you not in a place of hope? Why are you not going, oh, come on, it, it, it'll be okay. It's going to get there. It'll get better. Be positive. Ask yourself why not and find out why not and go to God with that and get hope. Make, you know, we, it's not good enough to just sort of, I don't know, just wander around in this sort of negative place. We need to deal with it and go to a place of hope. Go to a place where it's getting better. Amen. Hope in God, hope in his word. The Bible says specifically, I hope in your word. Upon your word, I hope. I hope in your word. Don't ever let me be ashamed of this hope, Lord God. So there's there's a lot of scriptures about hope. It's a good one to preach on because you've got plenty of options. So we hope in God's word. It's a great, now to me, this is the app. This is the quick, there's the quick way to go to hope is to pray to God and just go to the Bible. Now, I was reading Ezekiel the other day, which is not known for its positive message. I mean, it's doom and gloom. You know, the, the God, is, God gets angry and he was angry and he's letting them have it. So doom and gloom in Ezekiel. But in Ezekiel 17, it was speaking about an eagle that came and took the top of a cedar tree and planted it in another place. And... I suddenly remembered that somebody gave me a prophecy about that 25 years ago. Nigel Compton gave me a prophecy about, he said, you're, you're like this little, this little part of the tree at the very top, big tree, chop that bit off and plant it somewhere else. That was like me. And I remember when he gave me the prophecy, I really didn't understand it. So I, found, I went and found it. I looked it up. I keep all my prophecies. I went and looked it up, and there it was, the same prophecy as Ezekiel 17. And as I read this passage... Suddenly I understood the prophecy. I never, I never understood it. 25 years later it made complete sense to me and I was so excited because 
I, it was it all kind of came together with what's going on in my life about being planted in in this place and being because I was taken from this kind of high place if you like and planted somewhere low and felt sort of small and then God spoke how this little tree God said I'm going to grow it up into a big tree and the birds are going to come and nest in the tree I'm really excited about that so you know it's like you're going to be God's going to build you up and I could see how he's been doing that in my life and and people you you'll provide a place for people to come and and be blessed and be safe in you know in amongst your branches I, I can't explain it all what it means to me because it's you know, it would be a bit random to you, but it was exciting. And that's, you know, you go to the word and God speaks to you and there's such a sense of hope and excitement. And then again, now I mentioned this at the beginning, but then to confirm that, I was chatting to Genevieve the other day and who's always a darling. And Genevieve and I were talking about, you know, laying down our life, laying down our life for God, like really saying, okay, God, absolutely yours i'll do anything i'll go anywhere i'm totally yours and not all christians do this not all christians do this some people try to find their life and they end up losing it so she was talking about it. i said do you remember when you did that she says i remember the exact moment when i laid down my life for the lord hope you don't mind me preaching here <laughs> so she said and then she said this is a couple of days after i'd read this she said i was sitting on the station and i saw a little tree planted in a pot and the lord said see that little tree says, if, when you, if you follow me, you'll be like one of those great big gum trees. I just went, oh, that's what God just said to me. How about that? The little tree that becomes a big tree. So there was God once again confirming the word that he spoke to my heart. And, and, and there is just this tremendous hope, tremendous hope. And God speaks to you. It's just, it just lights up your world. It's like, Wow. Wow, that's so cool to know that God is on my side and he's growing me bigger. Yay. So exciting. We need to hear from God. We need to, to be full of this hope. And, and another element of hope, which I just can't resist to throw in, was Paul said, in an, another realm of hope, what is our hope, our joy, or our crown in which we glory? Is it not you? You are our glory and joy. And so God is he's talking about the hope we have in God, but he's also saying that, that when we're you know, surrounded by beautiful people who are growing and who are doing well, people like Genevieve who has exact same words as me, there's such hope in that. It's like, wow, we're, we're in this together and, we're, and I'm, you know, I know that I've been able to help Genevieve over the years and others of you and it's, it's such a privilege, isn't it, that we get to, to love one another and encourage one another and raise up children both physical and spiritual. And so such, there's such hope in that. You know, we're going to have such, such a good time in heaven when we all get together and rejoice in what we've done. So hope is, it's a great thing to have. Make sure you're in this place of hope. We've got to be, we've got to be there. It's good for us. Keeps us healthy. It's another scripture. It says, my flesh will rest in hope because the Lord is before me. I've always set the Lord before me. I will not be moved. And my inner self rejoices and my flesh, my body relaxes in hope. So being hopeless is actually very unhealthy. Having no hope and feeling depressed and down is very unhealthy for us. And we know this. Like this is not just me. You know, this is a medical fact that stress, stress and depression leads to sickness. And so when we are in a place of hope and positivity, 
It's good for our, our we can relax. We go, oh, it's going to be okay. It'll work out. Our flesh can rest. We can feel God says there's, there is a future hope for you and your hope will not be cut off. It will keep us sane, keep us in a, in a healthy, happy place. Bless God. So hope keeps us healthy. It also keeps us happy. We, we, the Bible says be joyful in hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Abound in hope. To the saints, God will to be made known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now that's got to make you happy, the hope of glory. That's, that's the greatest, that's a mystery. It says it's a mystery that Jesus is actually in us and we're going to be glory, glorified like him when we're in heaven. Amazing. So faith, so hope brings us, helps us to be healthy. It helps us to be happy. And also it brings results because, you know, because I think sometimes we don't understand the difference between hope and faith. Do you ever have that? It's like, how does, hope is like something in the future that you're not sure of. Faith is the substance. So hope is when you say, I'd love to buy a house one day. Faith is when you've put down the deposit. There's a more of a sureness about faith. It's like, it's, yeah, I've got it. I've got it. But with hope, you, you, you don't quite know how things are going to work out. Your hope is in God. It's not in, I, I know for sure I'm going to buy a house in this suburb. It's like, look, I, I don't quite know how it's going to work out, but it, but it will work out because God is there. So hope is perhaps a little less sure than faith in the sense of exactly what is happening. But you need hope before you can have faith because the Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for. So you've got to be in that positive place before God starts to speak to you and say, okay, now this is a definite. You've got this one. So it brings results. It's not just nice because I'm happy and I get to go to heaven. It brings results because it, it, it leads us to a place where we're starting to move into faith and starting to grab a hold of things and actually happen. So I just want to share this story. Uh, last week I went to a funeral. Uh, my mum and dad are at that rather interesting age where they go to funerals most weeks so this one I went to along with them because it was a very old family friend and and when mum told me she said oh you know Peter's sick I was like oh and it was really sudden sudden cancer he's going quickly and I just took to prayer I was like oh god I haven't seen him at all much since I was a kid but but I know him He's, he's a nice man he's a nice North Shore man but I don't know about whether he was saved. And I thought, oh, Lord, <laughs> I'm praying like it's, it's got to be now, Lord. He's, he's going. And I know his son. I went to church with his son, Peter, years ago. Great guy. And I knew that Peter would be praying like mad. So I'm like, God, God, speak to him now, now, now. And, um, and I, knew that, I knew that Peter was praying. And his wife, who was actually I went to school with, a good friend of mine too, we were all praying. And so he we went to the funeral. And, um, I, you know, Peter would have prayed for his dad for 40 years. Jeff, Jeff's the son, Peter's the dad, yeah. Jeff, sorry, Jeff would have prayed for his dad for, I reckon, 40 years, I was thinking about it. And when they had the the man, they had Jeff's pastor got up to preach and share. And the pastor shared how Peter was really losing consciousness, losing awareness. And he prayed, he said, God, give me, open, let, let him be aware, let him be aware for when I come. So he came and he saw him and Peter opened his eyes and, and the, the pastor said, you know who I am? He says, yes, I know who you are. 
I know he knew that he was his son's pastor. And he said, Peter, you, you, cause they had already agreed that he was going to do the speech at the, at the funeral. He said, Peter, I need to know what I'm going to tell them at the funeral. Can I tell them that you believe in Jesus and that Jesus is your Lord? And he says, yes, tell them. He says, can I tell them that you, Jesus died for your sins and you totally accept him as your Lord and Savior? He says, yes, yes, tell them. And he asked him about four specific questions. He had them planned. And he said, yes, tell them that. Tell them, tell them at his funeral, which is a very proper North Shore funeral. He, he wouldn't have wanted it wrong. They, they like their funerals down there. <laughs> they do them well. But, um, and so he, he, he said, yes, tell them, tell them, tell them. And so the pastor got up and said, I can tell you right now that, that Peter accepted Jesus like on his deathbed, <laughs> don't leave it so late, but he accepted him right at the end. And I was sitting there just going, oh, Lord, thank you so much. I was so happy. I was so excited. And I saw Jeff after and said, Jeff, that's so great. He goes, I know, I know. It's just like, ah, so good, like right at the end. And it gave me such hope for all those North Shore people I saw sitting around me, lovely people, lovely people, but not all of them are saved. They're good people, but that's not good enough, is it? And just seeing them all sitting there, they're mostly grey-haired and very distinguished, all the judges and lawyers and doctors and dentists, all very distinguished. And, uh, and just seeing them all hearing that, I was like, oh, this is so good. This is so good. So good that he's proclaiming from, from the grave, finally, that he accepted Jesus. And, you know, I reckon Peter, Jeff, my friend, would have hoped for his dad's salvation for all those years, just hoped and hoped and hoped. And finally it came. So you never, you just never know how things are going to work out. And we need to be in that place always full of hope that, that it can happen. It can happen. There's salvation. There's healing. There's blessing. There's prosperity. I don't know how or when. It's not a good idea to put too many whens on hope because then we get the hope deferred sort of thing going on. But if we keep it open and let God show us his timing we stay in this wonderful place of hope with god hallelujah bless god we hope you have enjoyed this message and feel challenged and encouraged please let others know about this free podcast so they too can grow and learn to live their best life you can find out more about our church and ministries at www.c3cc.org.au God bless you.